Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. Thank you, and if you would turn in your Bibles, please, back to Ruth, chapter number one this evening, the book of Ruth in chapter number one as we continue our series, Ruth, God's Love Story. And tonight marks an important shift in the book of Ruth for us because up to this point, and again, we haven't been in the book of Ruth very long, but up to this point, the story has really been about Naomi. And really more specifically, it's been about Naomi and Elimelech and Malon and Chilion. That was the family that had moved from Bethlehem, Judah, and had gone to Moab. Of course, we know Ruth and Orpah were added to the group along the way. And then Elimelech, Malon, and Chilion all passed away. But what we see tonight represents a shift in the book of Ruth because it truly at this point becomes the book of Ruth where the narrative has now switched. It is no longer about this family. Uh, they are going to go into the background. And Ruth, who for these few verses has been in the background, is now going to come to the forefront, and she is who we're going to see for the remainder of the book. And I will say that she comes to the forefront in a very major way this evening with some verses that I would say rival some of the greatest verses of the Bible for their beauty and for just their clarity that is given to us uh, through this great confession that she gives here where she renounces her old life. Ruth renounces her old way of living. Of course, as a woman who lived in Moab, a, a pagan land, a woman who would have served pagan gods before. And she says this, I'm no longer going to serve these false gods. I'm no longer going to have this way of living. Uh, I am going to go, uh, Naomi, where you go and your gods are going to be my God. Uh, or rather, your God will be my God. And uh, instead of me telling you what Ruth said, I think we ought to read what Ruth said tonight because I think that will give us the greatest clarity of all. So if you're able, if you'd stand for the reading of God's word, Ruth chapter one, we're just going to read a few verses beginning in verse number 15. Ruth chapter number one, verse number 15. And of course we saw before that Orpah is now walking away. Ruth uh, is going to cleave unto Naomi, meaning literally she's going to grab her. She's going to forcibly hold her and tell her that even though Naomi is trying to dismiss her, and even though Naomi is trying to tell her to go back to her home, she has different plans. So picking up in verse 15, we see this. And she, being Ruth, said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone, or I'm sorry, Naomi rather. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods, Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And again, Naomi makes very clear, you're not just, she's not just going back home to go home. She's going back to the old way of living with the old gods as well. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee. Don't, don't beg me to leave or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Naomi saw something in Ruth's eyes. Naomi saw something in Ruth's tone of voice to be able to say, I'm not changing her mind. She's coming with me. And we're going to look at Ruth's life-changing declaration this evening. You may be seated. 
Heavenly Father, be with us tonight as we get into your word. I pray that we be encouraged by the decision that Ruth made. As we go on the road as well, may we be able to make good decisions for you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's some big things that happen to people in the word of God as they're traveling from place to place, as they're on the road, if you will. In fact, I was just thinking this afternoon about the occurrences that took place on the road to Damascus. Well, we know on the road to Damascus, it was when the apostle Paul, who then was called Saul, met with none other than Jesus Christ. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He was blinded, but spiritually he saw in a way that he never saw before. And three days later, he regained his sight. Uh, he called upon Christ to save him, was baptized, and his life was forever changed on the road to Damascus. How about those two who were on the road to Emmaus? Remember, after Jesus was put on the cross and they were walking and they were talking about the events that had happened over the past few hours. And then Jesus comes along, this stranger on the road to Emmaus, and they talk to him as if he's just, well, another person. Their eyes do not see in, spiritually in this sense. And so here they are, they're talking with him, they're explaining what's going on. And well, they go to the house, they get to a meal and Jesus gives thanks for the meal. And just like that, he disappears and their eyes are now open spiritually. And they say, did not our heart burn within us while he was talking with us? Their lives were forever changed where they were on this road to Emmaus. And I don't know that we often call this the road to Bethlehem, Judah, but I think we could say rightly that Ruth's life was forever changed on the road to Bethlehem, Judah, where she makes the great declaration when she makes in verse number 16 and verse number 17, when Naomi says, you need to go. And she says, I'm not going because I'm not even necessarily going for you. Although I am going with you and for you, I'm really going because it's your God that beckons me to go. And when I see this and the beauty of what she says, there's several things that I want us to look at here tonight. And the first is this. Uh, we see that uh, of all the things of Naomi's that she wants to make her own. First of all, she says, I want to make your land my own. Uh, Ruth says to Naomi, I want to make your land my own. She says that right at the beginning when she says in uh, verse number 16, she says, and Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee for whither thou goest, I will go. That's a powerful statement. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. And the reason that's powerful was because she knew she was going to Bethlehem, Judah. She knew she was going to her old home place, the place where Ruth could not call home, but she says, I am going to go to the place where you're going to go. What that meant was this. She was willing to leave her past behind. She was willing to leave the old way of life uh, behind her. Where Orpah was unwilling to leave her gods and leave her people and leave her old way of living, Ruth looked not behind, but Ruth looked ahead. I feel like oftentimes, if we're not careful in our Christian life, that it's very common for us not to look ahead at what God has for us, but sometimes to look behind at the things that Jesus Christ saved us from. Listen, when we get saved, everything's new and everything's exciting and we're willing to forsake all for the cause of Christ. But then after a while, we start to think about some of those things that we gave up. And if we're not careful, we start to think maybe those things weren't so bad. 
Maybe that music wasn't so bad. Maybe those friends weren't so bad. Maybe that way of living wasn't so bad. Uh, maybe that entertainment that I used to ingest, it wasn't so bad. And, and we start to maybe think, well, maybe I was getting a little too zealous. Maybe I kind of went a little bit overboard with this religion thing. And we start to kind of maybe dial it back a little bit. Uh, but what Ruth said was this, no, no, when I go with you, I'm not looking back anymore. There's nothing that Moab has to offer me. What I'm going to do is look forward to what God has for me in my life. And there's nothing in your old life. There is nothing that Jesus Christ saved you from that should hold any allure or any appeal or that has anything that's going to serve you moving ahead. No, no. What we have is, is, is the, the cause of Christ that is ahead of us. And that's why he tells us to look forward, to run the race with patience. And when you run the race, guess what? You don't go backwards. You go forwards. And so often in our Christian life, if we're not careful, that old flesh starts to talk about those good old days to you and your ears. But can I tell you, those good old days weren't so good. That's why you realize you need to get saved. They weren't so good. The, the, the scene wasn't so good. The friends weren't so good. The things that you thought would give you comfort and peace, they weren't so good. Jesus Christ, save you from those things. Don't look back. See, Orpah had a chance to change her life forever, but she couldn't let go of those things. But for us, I feel like when we get saved, we do let those things. That's what confessing Christ is. I, I confess, I don't want the old way of living anymore. I turn to you. But if we're not careful, like Lot's wife, we start to look back longingly behind us at those things that we left behind. What the pillar of salt that she became uh, through that episode. But she was looking back at things that caused the entire city state to go up in flames. Literally. She was looking at things longingly that ruined her family. She was looking at things that caused great destruction. And so what I love is that she right out the bat says, when I go to your land, uh, it's going to become my land. I, I believe she saw that God had visited Israel and that she yearned to see the blessings of God for herself. She's listening to Naomi talk about how great it is in Bethlehem, Judah, now that the Lord has visited the land again, talking about how great the Lord is and what he had done. I don't think she felt, I think she was still very conflicted in her own spirit at Naomi because of the decisions that she made. But no doubt there was something that drew Naomi back and she portrayed that to Ruth enough that Ruth said, you know what, that's what I need in my own life. The false gods had only brought her uh, a loss never brought her peace. Uh, the false gods of this world do the same. I was listening to Brother Sam Davison preaching just a few weeks ago, and he was talking about a, a story when, uh, this was several years ago when he was still uh, the pastor at Bible Baptist Church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Stillwater is the town where Oklahoma State University is located. It's a very strange town because it's a farm town. Uh, I mean, a big farm town, but it's also a college town at the same time, like two cultures coming together, you say, how do they mix? And the answer is, well, they don't really. Uh, it's just kind of this odd combination of cultures that are all at work at the same time. But he told a story about, he went back uh, several years ago while he was the pastor of that church and brought a young man with him on visitation. And he was going to witness to the OSU men's track coach that he was the track coach, and this was sometime in the 80s, uh, and he was the men's track coach. He'd visited the church, and they went by to be able to visit him, but then also to compel him to believe the gospel. And so Brother Sam brought this young man with him. This young man had got saved out of a life of drugs and got saved out of a culture that was really not good. In fact, I know this young man's family just from getting to meet them over the years, and so I can tell you that this story is true. It's not just, it's not just preaching. It's true. Um, so I... Uh, some of you get that later. Anyway, um, so we, he tells a story about how the Lord saved him and the peace that he has and all these things. And that OSU track coach looks at him and he says to Brother Sam and he says this other, uh, to this young man, David, 
He said, I would give my right arm to have peace like that in my life. I would give my right arm to have peace like that in my life. You know, the amazing thing was he didn't have to give his right arm to have peace like that in his life. Jesus Christ gave his life, shed his blood so he could have peace like that in his life. And what do we have to do in our lives? We just need to remember that peace came through salvation. And don't go back to those things that didn't cause us peace, but gave us agitation. And so what did she do? She says, Naomi, I want your land. But she also said this, Naomi, I want your lodging. Naomi, I want your lodging. Go back to verse number 16, where it says, for whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. She said that Naomi's lodging place would be her own as well. And this declaration here tells us this. She wasn't just going there. She was there to stay. Look, there's a difference between traveling through town and staying a little while, isn't there? I've traveled enough through this country to tell you that there were towns that I've been through that I went through them, in them, out them, and said this, I'm never going back. Just kind of keep right on going. Kind of one of those towns that I had uh, a friend of mine, his father, uh, Brother Muriel, uh, growing up, he says, it's the kind of town that, uh, you know, if your, uh, your tire goes flat, you go out on rims, you know, because you just got to keep going, man. You don't want to stop, you know. It's that kind of place. And so uh, there are places that, oh, yeah, that's the location. That's the land, but I'm not going to stop there. Can I tell you, not only when we get to this place in our Christian life where we allow Jesus Christ to save us, we, we allow him to do that work in his life that he desires. But listen, can I put it this way? Uh, take off your shoes and stay a while. Well, actually, keep your shoes on, all right, because we don't want you taking your shoes off. But I think you understand what I'm saying. The idea is, is that when it comes to the fullness of the Christian life, it's not just about that saving experience, being saved, uh, knowing that you have a home in heaven, and then, well, I'll just keep on going along with my daily activities. No, it, it's about, no, I, I, I'm going to lodge here in this place. And I'm not just talking about lodging here in church, although certainly I believe every Christian needs to be plugged into a good church that teaches the Bible, that loves the Lord, loves souls. I believe that's important for the health and growth of every believer. But, it, but even more than that, listen, when it comes to the life that God wants us to have, the walk that God wants us to have, listen, it's not just about saying, yep, that's where I'm going to go, but then I'm going to keep on going my own way. You say, you're splitting hairs here, Pastor. Well, I don't think so because this is her declaration right here. I'm going to go to your land. I'm going to stay to your land. It wasn't just this. I'm going to go to Bethlehem, Judah, and as long as the bread stays, I'll stay there. I've told you before, I've seen the slogan back when I was in Tampa. It was written on the side of a wall, right? Actually, on Sheldon Road. I don't know if it's still there or not, where it said this, try Jesus. Try Jesus. And I think I understand what they are trying to portray with that. But trying Jesus is not like trying on a new pair of jeans or trying a car to see if it's what you like. Well, you know, if I like it, if it fits right, if it feels good, I'll hold on to it. But otherwise, you know, I'll find something else. No, we don't just try Jesus Christ. No, it, it's, it, it's, it, this is who I trust my, my, my faith and my life in. And, and no, I'm going to make a commitment to him. And if I fall away, I haven't lost my salvation. I still belong to him. But if I fall away, if I get away like the prodigal did, I'm going to run back into his loving arms and go right back to him because I belong to him now. That was her land, but that was also her lodging. There are many people who are willing to go, but not as willing, many who are willing to stay. When you get to the house of bread in your spiritual life, lodge there. When you get to your Bethlehem Judah, the house of bread, the place where God is providing you, stay there. Don't wander away from that. We saw what happened when Naomi and Elimelech and Malon and Chilean wandered away. 
from the place that God was going to provide for them, even though it looked like it was going to be difficult. Psalm uh, 37, verses 3 and 4, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Do you think that applies to Bethlehem Judah, the house of bread? Delight thyself also into the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I think sometimes we get that idea of, well, the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. And we take that little slice of one verse and just say, well, it's fine. The Lord will give you the desires of your heart. We know there's a lot of desires I've had in my heart. Not all of them were righteous. There's desires I've had in my heart, and not all of them were good. You know, I've desired many things, and not all of them were things that would have honored God. So what does that verse say? Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know what I found is that when you live the life that God wants you to live, uh, you realize this, that he will change your heart to match those things so that you are delighted in those things. Uh, we, we were just talking before church, you know, uh, Miss, uh, well, I won't say who, uh, questioning my, my, uh, my decision of, of drink uh, right before uh, uh, church. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've, I had a, a diet Dr. Pepper. But anyway, um, it's from my time in the South. But uh, I'm going to pardon my sin. All right. So that's my excuse. But uh, the, the idea is this. There are times where I've had, pe I've seen people that have not drank a soda or a diet soda for some time. They've just eaten fruits and vegetables and those kind of things. And then they taste something like that and they go, this is disgusting. You know why? Their tastes have changed. Their tastes have changed over time. What we need to do in our lives is understand that when we belong to Christ, our tastes have changed and, and we belong to him and know this is where we're going to stay and, and this is what satisfies in our life. So even if it gets a little barren when we're in Bethlehem, Judah, even if it seems a little barren while we're in the house of bread, we understand that this is the place that God will provide, so I'm going to stay there. Listen, there are people who, who, who give up on their Christian walk. They get out of church and the reason why is because it's not as exciting as it used to be. Well, listen, uh, there are times it may not be as thrilling as it was before, but even if it's not the thrill the feeling, the emotion, there's some depth that God is doing in your life and he's digging deeper and going more and more. No, lodge there and you'll find the deeper you get and the more that God does these things in your life. Listen, you may not have that uh, where you're doing cartwheels in the, in the aisles. Although if we ever had someone do, no, anyway. But, uh, but I'll tell you this, there'll be that bedrock joy. There'll be that, 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 that wonderful, that wonderful uh, uh knowledge and understand that God's doing something in your life. Listen, don't just come to the land of Bethlehem, Judah, that land of provision. Lodge there for a while. Stay there. See what God is doing. But it wasn't just she wanted her land and she wanted her lodging, but she also wanted her lineage. Your lineage. Uh, look again at verse 16. It says, For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy people shall be my people. Her lineage. What was she saying? I am no longer going to be a Moabitess. She said, I am going to believe in the God of the household of the Jews. And we could look at it and understand that she was grafted in to the people of the Jews. And the reason we know that is because she was literally grafted in to the tribe of Judah. She was grafted into the lineage of Christ himself. We covered that uh, last week. She says, your people will be my people. Now, that may seem like no big deal to us, but to her, that would have been a big deal. Remember the natural prejudices that there would have been between the people of Moab and the Jews. It's not like these people loved each other. It's not like there was a great camaraderie 
between the people of Moab and the Jews. Just read the Old Testament for a while and you're going to find that they're going to skirmish with one another. Remember, they go all the way back to Abraham and the offshoot between Lot and his incestuous relationship uh, with his daughters and that offshoot from that point. And so what do we see? We see that there would have been some natural prejudice, some skirmishes that would have taken place. I would even put it this way. She didn't know how the Jews would feel about her in Bethlehem Judah when she arrived. She had no assurance that they would have even been happy to see a Moabitess that would come to live with them there in Bethlehem Judah. But you know what? To her, it didn't matter because she knew it was right. To her, it didn't matter. Well, I'll go and see, you know, if they like me and if the people like me there or not. No, no, listen, it's not about that. It's, it's, this is where God wants me to go. Your people will become my people. She wasn't just saying she wanted to live with them. I believe she was saying she wanted to become a proselyte, a proselyte. Uh, she said, I, I want to become like you all. And it's my prayer that when an unsaved person walks into this building, that they just see us fellowshipping with one another, loving on one another, caring for one another, that they say this, I want this to be my people. You know, I'm not just talking about people joining this church by membership or anything like that, although certainly it's a blessing anytime someone joins this church in membership. And we're always clear about it. We have folks joining next week, praise the Lord, some by baptism, some by statement of faith. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that's going to be a wonderful thing. But can I tell you what, what the real joy is? I mean, the real blessing is when someone who doesn't know anything about the Lord, someone who is just far out from where God has them to be, someone who's outside of the household of faith. Can we put it this way? Someone who lives in Moab and they come into this building because God has worked in their heart or because someone's invited them or because they're searching for something they don't even know and can't even articulate. But they come in here and they don't know why, uh, but they come in here and they see a group of people who love one another and they say this, I want this people to be my people. I'll tell you this, I've walked in some churches where I've said this, I don't know if I want to walk in here again. Anybody want to have, anybody, any personal testimonies? Yeah, so uh, I see that hand, all right, but... Uh, uh, we've been on vacation just a few years ago. I've told you the story before where, where we were on vacation in, in Tennessee and uh, they were just so used to having people come from out of town that it was kind of like, oh, it's great. There's visitors. Hey, and listen, we understand. Listen, we understand. Someone comes into this building, you know, dressed up with their Sunday best and all this stuff. We think, oh, here, not that we want to treat them any different, but we think, oh, here's someone that's maybe been to church before. Maybe they understand. Again, James chapter uh, two makes it very clear. You better not treat the person who's dressed better than the one who is not because, you, you, hey, you you come up here in the front. You're dressed up nice. Oh, you get under my footstool. You're not dressed up nice. We better never get to that point. But you understand, you know, someone shows up on a Sunday night and they, they're, they're dressed up. They've got their Bible under their arm and you think, yeah, and then you find out they're from out of town. It's like, oh, never mind. I got things to do. Uh, so, no, we, we, we don't want to be like that. But that's the way it was at this church. And I remember AJ was really acting up at that time. And so I had to take him out and I was in the lobby and he was really kind of going at it. And the, the usher was just standing there kind of like this, looking at us. And, and I wanted to say, would you like to take a turn and try? Um, you know, but there was nothing there. No, hey, would you like, we got a nursery over here. Is there something we can help you with? And maybe he, look, maybe he felt awkward. Maybe, I, I don't know. It could be any number of things. I don't want to say that he had ill intent by any, but I know this, when we left, I'd said this. If I lived in Gatlinburg, this wouldn't be my people. In fact, we went back the next year and went to another church. This little, I mean, you want to talk about the church in the Wildwood, goodness. I mean, we had to go down by the holler uh, and go around the corner uh, and go past over the creek, over, over to Grandma's house just about. And we got there, and there was this, it was just this old country church where they sang. And I mean, they sang. You know what I mean? 
and they just loved the Lord, and, and we just had a wonderful time. We came back on Sunday night. They wanted us to sing a special, and that's not why I enjoyed it. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, we didn't want to do that, but that's, we just, and they talked to us, and we were there for, you know what? So these are my people. Now I'm saved, and so that's talking about joining as a church, but I'm just saying this. When someone comes in here unsaved, do they see us and say, this needs to be my people? I'm not saying about joining the church. I'm saying about this. I want to be part of the people of God. They have a peace. They have a joy. Well, there's a, there's a cancer patient over there, but she's singing the praises of God. There's some people over there that a couple years ago, their life was a mess. But here they are with their Bibles open, listening to the message. Uh, there, there's some young people over there that in a culture where young people have very little to do with the things of God, but there's young people that are singing songs and they're praising God and they're getting involved. I mean, man, I want some of this. I, I want this to be my people. Do people see that in us, the natural saltiness of us to be able to make a thirst occur in someone else? Remember, Jesus said we're to be salt and light, but that we're so salty when we're here. And now some of you say, well, I'm salty. I'm not talking about that kind of salt. I'm talking about we're so salty as believers uh, that we create a thirst in someone to be able to say, that's what I need in my life and draw them to the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's what she says. This is my people, my lineage. She says, your land, your lodging, your lineage, your Lord. I mean, now we're really getting down to it, aren't we? I will lodge thy people shall be my people. And look at the end of the verse. Thy God, my God, if there was any doubt of where she was going with this. She has now made her declaration clear. There are many people in the Old Testament specifically that would talk about the God of heaven or they would talk about the God of Israel. But there's a big difference when they say, my God. It's funny how many times Jacob, Israel, would talk about the God of his fathers. But there was a change in his life after he wrestled with that same God that he now called him my God. There was a change that took place in his life. That it wasn't just, oh, there's a God and he's there, but no, there's not just a God and he is there, but it's my God and he is there. And that's a difference that has to take place in salvation. Everything changes. Listen, from this very phrase, everything in this book changes. From this phrase before, there is nothing that is good. There is nothing that is encouraging. There's nothing helpful that takes place. You've got a family that's come that three quarters of them have died. You have now introduced Moabites into the family, uh, which were not supposed to take place under normal circumstances at that time. You have uh, women who say, we're going to follow you. And then Naomi says, don't follow me. Uh, uh, this w bitter woman, by the way, who says all of this. And Orpah says, well, okay. And then she goes home. There's nothing really that's happened so far that really is encouraging in the heart. But from this moment, Everything changes when she says, thy God, my God. And can I remind you here tonight that when you say in your life, thy God is my God, everything changes. Your outlook changes. Your way of living changes. Who you know will take care of you changes. Everything changes when you trust the gospel and know that Jesus Christ will be your savior. Ruth's life would forever change with that statement because she is renouncing the old way of life. Listen, she's not trying to live in Moab and Bethlehem, Judah. She's not trying to add the God of Jehovah to the gods that she has in Moab. She says this, I am taking Jehovah at the expense of these old gods I used to serve. 
and her life will change. Orpah looked and said, oh, I see what's over there, but I like my God. I like my way of living better. And she went back home, never to be heard from again. What a blessed thing, by the way, when God becomes yours. You know, there has to be a time for our young people that are here that God has to become yours, not just your parents. God has to become yours and not just those who go before you, that the doctrines of the word of God have to become yours, not just because uh, your mama called and papa sent, but that because God has done something, a work in your life, and you have to take it. And by the way, it's not just your family's, it's yours. Well, do you know Jesus Christ, your Savior? Well, I come from a long line of, of Christians in my family. I've had people say that before. Well, you may come from a long line of Christians in your family, but unless you call upon Jesus Christ to save you yourself, you will break that line. You are not saved by the salvation of those other ones. You have to make that personal decision for yourself. Many are resting on the faith of someone else to try to be able to get them into heaven. Or many uh, who maybe are saved don't really grow and don't really do the things they want because, well, uh, you know, this is what my pastor says or this is what my parent says or this is what my spouse says. Uh, but no, you have to get to the place. Listen, when you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you don't get to call witnesses to come help you. What do you do? Well, I'll phone a friend. That may work for Regis Philbin, but it doesn't work for us at the judgment seat of Christ. No, we have to individually go to him. And it's not, well, Lord, I didn't know because I just listened to what my wife said. Well, that speaks volumes in a much different way. A woman cannot say, well, I just did what my husband, I just, I followed him. No, you have to dig into your Bible for yourself to understand the word of God for yourself was just preaching to the young people just a few weeks ago. And I reminded those young ladies that were there. Uh, they say, well, you know, sometimes I hear those young ladies say, well, well, you know, I just, whatever, I just get the right husband and, and I'll just believe what he believes. Well, how are you going to find the right husband if you don't know what to believe? No, what you're probably going to get is a, is a meatball uh, that's probably going to end up after three or four years taking you far away from what you, and you didn't know because you just followed him and you never read the word of God for yourself. Now, listen, we can talk about that for 16, 17, 18-year-olds, and we can all get excited about that. Or we can just remind ourselves where we're at, that whether you've known the Lord 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, however long it is, there's always room for us to grow and to learn. And even in that declaration, thy God, my God, well, I'm saved. I, I know God. Well, right. But get deeper into why do you believe who you believe? Not trying to question your salvation or not trying to make you do those things. But to, So I can... I can Make the foundation even stronger. The foundation that, that God has laid, it's all about him. But yet I need to get in the strong meat of the word, not just milk, so that I can understand the things of the Lord. Your land, your lodging, your lineage, your Lord. But then she says this in verse number 17. This is where we're going to get ready to close. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. Lord, do so to me and more also if aught but death part thee and me. She says this, I'm not just going to go to your land. I'm not just going to stay there a while. I'm given a lifelong commitment. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. This is where I'm going to stay. This is where I'm going to die. She's saying, this is my lot in life, and I'm with you until the end. Do you know what she's doing? She's looking all the way to the goal. She's looking all the way to the finish line. You know, I don't want to be morbid in my Christian life. I don't live every day just wondering about how I'm going to die or 
you know, is this my last day? But let's be honest, the Bible does tell us we don't have assurance of tomorrow and that we would be wise in our Christian life to live every day as if we don't have another Christian day to live. No, no, that doesn't have to be a morbid thing. No, I'm just gonna live my life today. I'm gonna lay it all out so that I know that if God called me home today or if Jesus Christ called us home today in that glorious appearing called the rapture, I know that at the judgment seat of Christ that I have done what God has called me to do. Certainly, there's always room for improvement. Certainly, we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to look at so many things and say, why didn't I do this instead? Why did I misprioritize? But Why did I misprioritize these things? But in the end, that we would say, no, I'm going to serve him till the end. I went to school with 400 some college students by the world standards a pretty small bible college pretty small college in general my graduating class was a little bit over 100 do you know that out of my graduating class you have those who are no longer in the ministry who don't teach from the word of god anymore divorced even from not my class, but other classes who've taken their own life. Out of well over a thousand graduates, I don't even know how many, probably much more out of 25 years at Heartland, a great many. That's a sobering thought. To go through a yearbook and say, whatever happened to him? Where did she go? And I'm not just talking about, oh, that's the one that was the most popular in my high school yearbook. And look, they, you know, they went to the, uh, you know, they went to the reunion and they're not very popular. No, I'm not talking about those kind of like vain things. I'm talking about people that said they were going to serve the Lord. And here's what's amazing, that on the very first Sunday, when you get to Heartland, they call it Welcome Heartland Sunday at Southwest. And all the new students come across the platform and they just introduce where they're from. Uh, I'm Adam Rivero. I'm from Westgate Baptist Church in Tampa, Florida. My pastor is Bruce Turner. And I was so nervous that first Sunday. In fact, we called Brother Turner Bruce E. Turner. But we, I was so nervous that I said, my pastor's Bruce E. Turner. And Brother Sam said, hold on a second. Hold on. I didn't know your pastor's name was Brucey. Uh, and so for several years, they called him there Brucey. Uh, whoops. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, we all, don't mess this up for me, uh, but uh, in a few weeks. Uh, so we, uh, no one walked across that platform saying this, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to make it. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn away from everything I got here. Nobody said that. But the reality is some did. Why? Because for some, there was not that knowledge that this isn't just a land it's not just a lodging but it's a life it's their lot it's my lot and let's be honest is there any lot that's better than the lot that god has put us in the lot in life that we have you understand what i mean by lot the lot in life that we have that god has given us is there anything better is there anything sweeter is there anything more joyous i mean to be able to go home today and to know wow a family's life and trajectory has changed today by what's happened here at church to know that there was a crusade that took place that we had a small part of. And by a small part, I mean a very small part because there were so many cogs in that wheel. It was unbelievable. I don't want to overstate what we did in that uh, crusade, but we did assist in several different ways, both logistically and then also in taking place in some of the services. But to know that 61 people got saved, does that not move us? 
that there, that there would be lives that would be changed, trajectories of lives changed forever. There's one young man who was there. He was traveling with his family to the Dominican Republic. He was going to miss everything, but they saw him during the day. Uh, they gave him the gospel. He got saved. He went to the crusade that night. He went to the Dominican Republic the next day. Would have totally missed everything. But by the gracious hand of God, he had the opportunity to hear the word of God and trust Christ as a savior. What happened? Ruth on the road. Her life changed forever. Just like the road to Emmaus, just like the road to Damascus, Ruth on the road to Bethlehem, Judah, her life changed forever. Let me make a quick application and we'll be done. I know we've been making application along the way. And I've got to finish before the water all leaks into the building again. So we'll try to be quick about that. What we see from Ruth here, I'm not saying that she didn't have valleys in her, her life. But what we see from her from this moment is steadfastness, faithfulness. I know it's a short snapshot of her life. Let, let's be honest. But what we see here is a woman whose life truly changed. Something that we need to be reminded of in our lives is to be able to take the roller coaster of the Christian life that sometimes we're on and try to smooth out those peaks and valleys as best we can so that we consistently in our walk on the road will be who God's called us to be. You know, that road that she would have been on would have been pretty easy to navigate compared to a roller coaster. I've been on roller coasters. I love roller coasters. I, I, I do. Now, I know not everyone does. But I love going to theme parks, big and small, amusement parks, and to be able to ride the roller coasters. Uh, I like going through the loop-de-loops and all of them. I'll tell you this. I'd, it used to be when I was younger, uh, I would go on it and say, let's go again. And now I go on it once and I say, kids, you go again. Uh, because like, dad needs to sit down for a while and let his equilibrium uh, get back to where it needs to be. And listen, roller coasters are fun in life if you like that kind of thing. But can I tell you, in the Christian life, they're not fun at all. And there are some in the Christian life that are constantly up and down and up and down and all around barrel rolls, loop-de-loops, whatever you want to call it. That's what they're doing all around all the time. Now, I understand that we do have those peaks and valleys because of the trials and difficulties of life that we have at times. But I'm talking about just the we're up, we're down. We're up, we're up because we heard a great sermon, but we're down because it's Monday. And then we don't read our Bible for a week. And then, oh, I'm up because uh, something really good happened to me. I, I end up getting an extra $100 in my paycheck, so God must be happy with me this week. So I'm, I'm good, but then, oh, I had to pay $200 for a bill I wasn't expecting. Well, I guess things are down again. The Christian life was never meant to be a roller coaster. It's a road. But God does that work on the road, whether Emmaus or Damascus or to Bethlehem, Judah. What do we do? As we slowly plod our way every day to where God wants us to be, we say, I'm going to get where God wants us to go. I'm not going quick, but I'm going to get there. We were dr driving down the road yesterday. I'll say this and we'll be done. Kaylee was in the car with me and we were watching someone walk into um, a building. And he was walking across the parking lot like the cares of the world were placed upon his shoulders. Like someone had taken eight bags of wet cement, put it on his shoulders and said, now walk, son. And I mean, he was just shoulders drooped, 
slow steps, step by step to where he wanted to go. And I told her, I said, he's plotting. I said, what? I think she thought plotting, like, you know, <laughs> I'm plotting something, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, but plotting, P-L-O-D. He was just methodically going where he needed to go. By the way, he wasn't doing it to impress me. He wasn't walking to, you know, make me feel good. You know what? He kept going long enough, he would have got where he was going. I think sometimes in the Christian life, we're so looking for that 60 mile an hour, 3G launch of the roller coaster. I'm going to go. I want my face to be back. That's what this Christian life is supposed to be. You know, and there are some pretty exciting times in the Christian life. Don't get me wrong. I think of the, the anniversary and the, the day that we were here. I mean, one, I was dog tired when we were done. And two, I was like, this is great. This is what God did. It's amazing. But that's not the Christian life every day. You know what it is? It's the road walking. This is my land. This is my lot. This is my Lord. We just make that understanding every single day and just go a little farther for him. Maybe you're on that roller coaster ride. You'll, you'll be good tonight because, hey, we, we had a, a message that kind of stirred your heart, if that's the case for you tonight. And that's great. I, praise the Lord for that. God gave us God gave us emotions. It's not like we shouldn't have any emotions. If he wanted us to be robots, he would have made us robots. We're just not to be governed by our emotions in our Christian life because not all of them are trustworthy. There's no doubt about that. So what do we do in our Christian life? Here's Ruth. She said, this is what I'm going to do. Let me get there. I imagine she was probably slow. She was walking with her mother-in-law, who was older than her, who would have had to go slower, whose body was probably to a point betraying her by that point in her life. But you know what? She just kept going. She got to Bethlehem, Judah. You know what? You'll get to Bethlehem, Judah eventually too. Step by step, day by day, understanding the things that God has revealed to us. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org, or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in His Word.